talk to you today about hope, and actually the title of my message is uh, in the form of a question, and that question is simply, is there any hope? I talked to you last Sunday, we kicked off the year, brand new year, last Sunday, and I gave you a lot of prophetic things that I have read, and uh, it seems to be a consensus among those who study the times and those who are um, anointed with that special gift of prophecy that this year is going to be kind of a stormy year politically all over the world. Now, I don't say that to depress you or discourage you in any way because we know who's on our boat or whose boat we're on. Amen. And as long as he's in the ship, we're going to get to the other side. So there may be some storms and some ups and downs. In fact, you may be struggling today with, uh, with, with your whole outlook on life. And I can understand that. If you watch the news, if you, if you read um, um, much of what's going on. In fact, I don't know whether you know it or not, but this weekend in France, there's a whole movement trying to get every person in France to withdraw 20% of their money, savings, checking, every account that they have. They feel like that if they can get everybody in France to withdraw 20% of their finances, that they can collapse the financial structure of France. And what they're trying to do is bring down the euro and, uh, and replace it with another form of currency. Um, I don't know whether they'll be successful with that or not, but I'll tell you this, if they are successful with that, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have a ripple effect and it's going to affect the stock market in Europe and eventually it'll affect the stock market in America. It'll, it, it could reverberate and grow in a snowball effect and affect the whole world in a very negative way, which leads me to say I'm not surprised because things are beginning to lead up to the Antichrist and a one-world government and a one-world currency and all of that. But hey, I'm still not worried about those things because I live here, but I'm in another kingdom. Amen? Amen. Praise God. But there, there are questions at, at, at home. In fact, it's been predicted that this will be a stormy year politically for America. And I can understand that. We have questions this morning like, how long will the government be shut down? Will we build a wall on our southern border? Will the president be impeached? Democrats hate Republicans and Republicans hate Democrats. Not all of them, but, but you, you see that growing animosity and discontent. And on top of all that, they're trying to turn us against one another, race against race. And you see more and more of that. And it leads us to the question, is there any hope for the situation that we're in today? Some of you are dealing with personal problems. In fact, 2018 wasn't a very good year for some of you. Many of you not only had difficulty in 2018, but we had a lot of losses of lives in 2018. Some of you lost family members, close family members and uh, loved ones. And you're, you're groping through that despair of grief today, trying to get your feet on the ground and find a, a way forward in this new year. And, 
And you're asking a question personally. It, 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 is, it, is there any hope? Is, is it going to get any better? Is this pain ever going to go away? Is, is there a tomorrow worth living for? And against that backdrop, I want to bring to you my text this morning from Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm going to read verses 11 through 13. Therefore, remember the form, the, that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called the uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision in the flesh by human hands, were at that time apart from Christ, alienated from the citizenship of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise. Notice this, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Now, my text started off with the word therefore. You remember I've told you many times, anytime you see the word therefore in the scripture, stop and find out what it's there for. And if you'll back up a few verses, it will explain itself. Usually you'll back up a few verses and run into a wherefore. But if you back up in this particular verse, uh, let's back up to verses 8 and 9. Here's what Paul is saying. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, so that one should boast. A very familiar verse of Scripture. And Paul says, because of this, because of that, because, praise God, salvation is not by works. Every other religion in the world is based on works. You do this, you get that. You're good enough here, you'll get something good enough there. Christianity is not based on the, our works, what we can do. Because the fact is, man's been trying for several thousand years. There's none of us can live good enough and perfect enough in our own strength to deserve heaven. And so, Christianity is not based on what we do. It ba it's based on what Jesus has done. It's, it's a done deal. It's a finished work. Praise God. I, I'm so glad about that. You don't have to question. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to spend your life wondering, but how am I going to make it? My goodness, am I going to be good enough to get to heaven? No, you're not going to be good enough to get to heaven, but Jesus is. And he allowed us to come to the cross and trade our sinful, ungodly unrighteousness and be washed in the blood and forgiven and take his righteousness and his goodness and we stand before God through the finished work of Christ. Amen. Oh, isn't that exciting? So here's the context. Paul said, we understand that now. We're, we've been saved by grace, not by works. But he said, I want you to remember, therefore, I want you to stop and remember what it was like before you came to Christ. Now, that was not only good for the church at Ephesus, that is applicable to the church at New Hope on this second Sunday of 2019. Let's stop a minute and think about it, because the same thing applies to us today. Uh, first of all, I want you to see how we were before conversion from this text that I read to you, Paul said, first of all, we were apart from Christ before we got saved. We, we, didn't, we didn't know the Lord Jesus Christ. We did not have a personal relationship with him. We were apart from Christ. Secondly, we were strangers to the covenant of promise. We didn't know anything about the promises of God. 
That's what he's referring to in, the, in that text. He's talking about the Gentiles. He's talking, he said, now the Jews knew about the promises of God because they were very familiar with Father Abraham and the promise that was carried on to Isaac and to Jacob and then to Israel and, and, and right on down through their line. But you Gentiles didn't know about that. No, not until Jesus died for you and you got saved. You didn't know about those promises. You didn't know you could connect into those promises. You were strangers of that. And, and most importantly, he said, you were without hope and without God in this world. Can I say this morning that that's a sad state to be in, a state of hopelessness. Several years ago, and I've shared this story before, and I'll be brief with it, but I just, it fits so well right here. I was, I was asked to visit somebody at, at St. Joseph's Hospital, and they weren't members of our church, but somebody connected here knew about the family and wanted me to to go visit them and I, I went to visit and when I walked in the room the family was there the whole family had been called in and all the seats were taken they were standing all the way around the wall and everybody was standing there with heads down and and, and they hardly even looked up when I walked in and I, I walked in and tried to introduce myself but I could see right away no one was really too interested in and my being there and and it was kind of a quiet tense few moments until finally a young man standing over against the wall lifted up his head and he said preacher what's the dirtiest nastiest most vulgar word in the english language and um, boy i didn't like where that was sent in my mind so i i I put the ball back in his court. I said, well, I'm, I'm not really sure. Per, perhaps you should tell me what you think is the most vulgar word in the English language. And then I braced myself because I didn't know what he was going to say. But he looked at me and he said, hopeless, hopeless. And I thought for a moment, and I said, you know, I, I'm inclined to agree with you. Because listen, folks, when you say a situation is hopeless, I, that's blasphemy because you're saying that not even God can do anything about it. And I want to tell you this morning on the authority of God's word, there's no such thing as a situation that you're going through today that God can't get involved in and do something with to make it better. Amen. Do you agree with that? Dr. Charles Allen, several years ago, wrote a little book entitled The Miracle of Hope. And in the introduction of that book, and I, I'm just going to read it to you a few lines from the introduction. He said, some years ago, one of our nation's submarines sank off the coast of Massachusetts, becoming a prison for its crew. Ships were rushed to the scene and divers went down to see if anything could be done. The men in the submarine clung desperately to life as slowly their oxygen supply was being exhausted. The divers and the men inside communicated with each other by tapping dots and dashes of the Morris Code. Time was running out, and after a seemingly long pause, a question was slowly tapped out from the inside of the submarine, and it was this. Is there any hope? Is there any hope? That's the title of my message this morning. Is, is there any hope? Um, the psalmist hit a point like that one time in his life. You'll find it in Psalms chapter 42. 
He cried out and said, Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? In other words, he had reached a point where he wondered if there was any hope. He was asking, Is there any hope? And he asked it a second time before you finish the psalm. And then if you go to the next psalm, he asked it once more. But finally, he got a hold of himself. And he said to his own self, he's talking to himself. Now he's preaching to himself. He's talking to his soul. Why art thou disquieted within me? Then he said, hope thou in God. There's always hope in God. But obviously he was dealing for a while with a feeling of hopelessness. And I want to ask you today, have you lost hope? Have you come to the place where you're asking the question, is there any hope? There are three things you need to consider about hopelessness. Number one, hopelessness is a crippling disease. It, it, will, it will disable you. If, if, you allow, if you allow hopelessness to take charge of your life, it will disable you. It, it is a crippling disease. Secondly, hopelessness will impede any forward progress. You cannot go forward without hope. You, you, there's, there's no incentive to move. There's no incentive to do. Hopelessness will stop your forward progress. And even worse than that, thirdly, hopelessness will keep you stuck in the past. It will actually take you back. It, it not only will not allow you to go forward, it'll pull you back into the past. And I meet people occasionally who are stuck in the past. They, they can't get by it, past it. it. There's a hurt back there somewhere. There's a disappointment back there somewhere. There's a failure back there somewhere. There's a there's a mistake that they made. There's a, a sin that they committed, and they, they can't get past it, and they're drawn back, and they feel hopeless to get beyond it. But let me take you back to my text. Can I do that? Would you look at my text one more time with me? I, I want them to put it back on the screen. Ephesians 2, 11 to 13. In the first one, I emphasize that line where Paul said, without hope. But I want to emphasize another point from here. Look at it. Therefore, remember that formerly the Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision, but that so-called circumcision of the flesh by human hands were at times apart from Christ, alienated from the citizenship of Israel and strangers of the covenant promises without hope and without God in the world. But now, look at that. Look at those two words. But now. In Christ, you who were formerly far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Glory to God. But now, say that with me. But now, say it again. But, but now, glory there. That's, listen, if, if there's a time to feel hopeless, it's B.C. It's before Christ. But now, but now, if you still feel hopeless, I need to help you to get back into this. Because the word hopeless does not fit now. 
Not now. Because we have been drawn near by the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, glory to God. In fact, there's a mystery that I want to share with you in the Word of God. I love, I love the Bible. I think it's the greatest book that's ever been written, bar none. And you just ought to read I hope you'll read it through again this year. And uh, I, I, <laughs> there, there are mysteries in the Word of God. It's an exciting book to read. And Paul reveals a mystery that was hidden for many years. Let, let me take you to it. It's in Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 to 28. Here's the revelation of a mystery. I now rejoice in my suffering for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me to fulfill the word of God, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations. Let me stop right here. This, this thing was hidden for a long time. They didn't see this under the old covenant this mystery that Paul's about to reveal here, but now it's been revealed to his saints. How many of you are saints of God? Amen. Y'all are so hesitant on that. <laughs> I know you think it makes you feel like you're being prideful. No, 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 no. In the Bible, see, we, we, we're all messed up with this sainthood stuff, you know, where they saint people that are extraordinarily, and what is, you have to perform two miracles, verifiable miracles to be sainted by the Roman Catholic Church. We, we get all, no, 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 no. The Bible refers to saints as the children of God. You're a saint of God. Amen. We're not sinners, we're saints. Amen. And he's revealing this to his saints. That's you. Make sure your neighbor gets it. Punch him and say, it's, it's something here for you. It's coming. Here it is. To them, God will to make known what are the riches of his glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Mm. If you miss everything else I say this morning, I, I, I want you to get this. I want you to, I want you to just you know, focus in on this for just a minute. Here is a mystery that Paul revealed under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. This, this will change your concept of God. If, 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 you, if you're, your idea is that God's watching, trying to get you. No, no, no. God's not trying to get you. God desires to have you. Paul said, let me, in on, let me let you in on a little secret. The reason God made this big old ball that we live on called the earth wasn't so he could have another planet in the sky, good time of living. God's got plenty of those. He made this when he said, let there be light, and there was light. He created the heavens here from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. The whole purpose that God has done, everything that he's done, is because God desires to have a family that he can share his love with and that will respond to him, not because they have to, 
but because they want to. And so he made planet Earth in this universe so he could create you and me in his own likeness and image. And yes, amen. And so he could give to us the power of reason and the power of choice so that he could have a family that loved him because they want to love him. You see, you're not here this morning because you have to be here. I, don't, I, I, I hope there's nobody in here when you got up this morning, somebody put a gun to your head and say, you're going to New Hope this morning. No, 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 no. You made the effort to get up on a cold January morning, and I don't know what time you got here. Some of you have been here since about 7.30 this morning. When we got here, it was raining. I was out there opening them gates this morning with the wind blowing and the rain coming down. And, uh, and, and you're here this morning because you want to be here. You desire. And Paul said, this, this is the thing that makes this great God who created heaven and earth that gives him pleasure and, and, and satisfies him. It's you, the hope of glory. God has a hope. And we're that hope. We're the fulfillment of that hope. When we come together and worship him, we're fulfilling the hope of God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now, now there's a reason I'm sharing that with you, and just you'll see it in just a minute. But, but let, 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 me, let me go forward. Did you know that you're the answer to one of the great prayers that Jesus prayed? That's listed right here in the Bible. It's in John chapter 17. Let me read some of it, 20 to 23. Jesus is praying here, and he, he's with his disciples. So when he gets beyond that, you understand where he's going. He said, he's, I'm, I'm, this is not the beginning of the prayer. He's, this is well into it. If you read all this prayer, it's a long prayer, longest recorded prayer of Jesus in John 17. It takes a lot of verses. I'm not going to read all of them. I do not pray for these alone, Jesus said but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. And the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them, you in me, that they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. As you have loved me. Do, do you see what Jesus is praying here? He said, Lord, and he prayed for those around him first. That's the reason I didn't read that part. But he said, now I want to pray for those beyond here. I want to pray for those who will, the, the, these, these, I'm going to leave these 12. Just, I, mean, I prayed for them, but not just for them. There'll be people saved through their ministry, and I, I, want, you to, I want you to bless them too. And there'll be others that'll be saved from their ministry, and, and, and the 70, and, and, and the 120, and 500, and 5,000, and, and a first generation, and the next generation, all the way down. And, and I, I don't believe I'm doing violence to the Scripture. If I, if I were to add this and say, Lord, Jesus is saying, Lord, I'm praying 
for those folks that are at New Hope on the second Sunday of January in 2019. I want you to make them one with us, just like I'm one with you. He wants us to be a part of his family. He wants us to connect with him. He wants, he wants us to have his DNA. He wants us to be his family where we can cry, I'm a father, and he can call us sons and daughters of the kingdom of God. That's the hope of God and the prayer that Jesus prayed. What a prayer. What a prayer. What a prayer. We're in Christ just like Christ is in God, Jesus and the Father and you and me and me and he, and, and he wants us to get in that same thing. To, and, and then he, look how he finished it up by saying, and I want, them, I want them to know that you love them just like you love me. Folks, let, let me tell you, when, when I meditate on that, I weep and I shout and I jump and I holler and, and I can't hardly I can hardly get over it. Do you realize that Jesus said, Father, I want you to let them know that you love them just like you love me. Did you know that God loves you as much as he loves his only begotten son, Jesus Christ? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, oh, that's how the Father loves you this morning. That's how the Father loves you. Now, let me ask you this. If that's his hope and if he loves you that much, do you think that he's going to allow you to live hopeless? in this life. No, 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 no. We've got great hope for the future. And let me share just a little bit of it with you this morning. I can't, it'd take me days to go through the scriptures and give you all the joy and the wonderful factual truths of, of this. But let me, let me, let me just give you a couple here. Here's one. We're secure in him. Amen. Now, I, I grew up in a real legalistic atmosphere, and I grew up thinking every time I made mis a mistake that, that I was hell-bound, just as sure as the world. I'd, I, if, if I made a mistake, I, that was it, boy. I was just, I was, God was just sitting up there waiting just to bat me out of the race. That's not, that's not the way your heavenly father deals with you at all. Paul said to the church at Rome in chapter 8, verses 35, 37 to 39, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate me, separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I don't know what you're going through this morning, but it's probably in that list somewhere. And if it isn't, I want to tell you, he's got that covered too. Amen. 
Paul said, you're, you're not going to go through anything in this life, not a struggle, not a failure, not a, not, not a battle, not a temptation, not a trial, not a sickness, not a disease, not a circumstance, not a situation. You, there is nothing that you'll ever go through in this life or be confronted with in this life that will be able to separate you from the love of God. He's not going to love you any less. He loves you. Oh, glory to God. He loves you like you are where you are right now this morning, just like he loves his own son, Jesus Christ. That ought, that ought to make you happy right there, just to know that God loves you. And no matter what the devil tries to attack you with, he's not going to be able to stop God from loving you. Amen. Not going to be able to do it, just can't do it. Now, I know that some of you this year, Faye and I were just talking about it in the office a few minutes ago. Boy, death has hit our church family hard in December, and, and now in, in January, we're already, we're already experiencing. This week, we had two deaths. We have a man that most of you don't know. He's 52 years old, Lauren Walters, comes to the 830 service, or did, died in his home this week. He was a military guy, moved here, retired here. He has no family here. He came alone. He's just kind of a quiet guy, but he loved to worship the Lord here. In fact, it's, I found out it's so interesting. He's from Trinidad. We have some Trinidadians here in our congregation. He's from Trinidad, and his two brothers and sister were able to come from Trinidad for the funeral the other day. And, and Lauren, I discovered um, many years ago, an evangelist went to Trinidad. I don't remember his last name, but his first name was Lauren. And that's when this guy, Lauren, his mother and daddy got saved in that crusade. And his mother named him after that evangelist. And he, he, he went to be with 52 years old. That's so young. Now, these guys here don't think it's young, but, but to, <laughs> the rest of us understand how relative age is, how fast it goes. And then Friday, I was with the Long family for several hours before Sister Long went to be with the Lord. And so two again this week, and, and, and we had several in December, and, and it, it just touches. And, and I, know, I know some of you are grieving. We, this morning I looked at Joey Simpson's family and, and the 830 service and more of his family, his parents, and more of his family here at the 11 o'clock service tonight, today. And, and the heartache of losing Joey so young. And you, you're going through it with death. But I want to tell you, there's hope in death even. Let me, let me read you from 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18. But I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning those who are asleep, that you do not grieve as others who have no hope. Let me stop right there long enough to say, Paul did not say we don't grieve. But he said, there's a difference in the way we grieve. 
We don't grieve like people with no hope because we do have hope. Amen? For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord will not precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God. And, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Therefore, because of this promise, Comfort one another with these words. Glory to God. We grieve, but we have a Holy Ghost comforter. We have the Word of God to comfort us. I was glancing through some, some of my files as I was preparing for these funerals. I ran across Laura Jean's picture. Henry and Sherry are sitting right here this morning. They tell me that the greatest loss that you can possibly have in life is a child. They lost Laura Jean when she was eight years old, tragically killed by a carload of kids driving like maniacs right in front of her house. At the trauma unit of MCG with Sherry and Henry, right after that tragedy, the chaplain was talking with my wife. Faye said to the chaplain, these folks know the Lord. And the chaplain said, oh, oh yes, I, I know that. That's obvious. And Faye said, well, what, what do you mean? He said, well, you should be here when this kind of tragedy happens to people who don't know the Lord. And Faye said, what's that like? And he said, you, you don't want to be here. He said, people who lose somebody in a tragedy like this, he said, they scream at each other. They yell at each other. Many times we have to call the police department because they're literally break out into fist fights in their frustration or anxiety because they have no hope. Now, let me tell you, it wasn't easy on this couple. In fact, Sherry actually had a heart attack that night. but they never lost hope. And I can tell you now that with all the pain and all the sorrow that they've gone through for these several years, and what was it, 01, 01, 2001, when Laura Jean was killed, they've never lost sight of the fact that soon and very soon, they're going to see Lord Jean again. Amen. 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 Listen. Listen, church. We have hope. We have hope. Let me read you one more. 1 Corinthians 15, beginning at 51. Listen. I tell you a mystery. Here's another one. 
We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible will put on incorruption, and this mortal will put on immortality. And when this corruptible will have put on incorruption, and this mortal will have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass, or brought to, then shall the saying that is written shall come to pass, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? The string of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Glory to God. So I'm here to tell you this morning there's hope. There is hope. Say that with me. There is hope. Say it again. There is hope. Whatever you're going through today, whatever you're dealing with today, if you know the Lord, there is hope. He has promised he will never leave you nor forsake you, but go with you all the way even to the end of this world. I look right over there and Brother Larry Aldridge, right before Christmas, I got a call at 5 a.m. in the morning, and it was Larry. He said, please pray. Brenda can't breathe and dropped the phone, and I could hear him trying to get her to resuscitate. She passed away before the, before the paramedics could get there. She was healthy. The day before, she cleaned the house, got ready for all the family for Christmas. But she was ready to meet Jesus. She looked up at Larry and said, Larry, I love you. Goodbye. Here's the good thing about it. When she said goodbye here, she said hello up there. Amen. Even in death, there is hope, folks. There is hope. There is hope. There is hope. We have a God of hope. And if we're his hope, he's going to help you with your hope. Glory to God. Stand with me, please. My time is gone. I apologize for being so emotional today. You, you, you go through these experiences with all these families, and, but I am so thankful today that we serve a God of hope, that we serve one who does not leave us on the sideline, but he's committed to us to help us get through. This may be a stormy year, but with Jesus on board, we're going to make it to the other side. We're going to make it to the other side. We're going to make it. We're going to make it. We're going to make it. Would you just close your eyes with me? If you're unsaved today, if you'll just open your heart to Jesus and invite him in. John the Revelator saw him as the Savior standing at the door knocking. He's so ready to come into your heart. He so wants to come into your heart. If you'll just open your heart and say, Lord, forgive me for my sins. 
and I confess you as my Lord, he'll come in. He'll come in. Whatever your need might be, I want you to just turn it towards the Lord today. Could be spiritual, could be physical, could be mental, emotional, could be material, could be financial, whatever it is. But I'm here to tell you God loves you and he cares about that. Now I want you to pray and I want you to, I want you to declare today. Make the, make the declaration. There is hope. There is hope. There is hope. Just begin to pray that to the Lord. Lord, I know there's hope. And this morning, I have hope. Make it personal in this closing prayer. Father, I pray now for this congregation of people. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful Sunday morning and this wonderful congregation. And I pray, O oh Lord, where the enemy is trying to get people discouraged, where he's trying to hold them back, where he's trying to put them into a bondage of hopelessness, I pray that you'll help them to break through that today and see that there's hope in the Lord. Lord, I pray that every man, woman, boy, and girl under the sound of my voice will leave this place today with renewed hope in the Lord Jesus for the glory of God. In Christ's name, amen and amen. Amen. If you have hope, give God some praise today, will you? Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's give him praise. Your greatest praise of the day. Just give it praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Amen.